mean? Psalm 119, looking in verse 33. I've preached on this section before, different outline, but um, I like the... uh, easy outline that you get through 33, 34, and 35 with the first two words in each, each verse. Uh, it's, a, it's a preacher's dream. Uh, you don't have to work too hard for it. But um, we're going to look at, actually, from a different angle a little bit here today, uh, looking at four different pictures that were given. Starting in verse 33, the Bible says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go in the paths of thy commandments, and therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto my testimony, unto thy testimonies, and not to, uh, not to covetousness. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy word unto the, thy servant, who is dedic- devoted to thy fear." Turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. We're going to look at four pictures uh, given to us that we can learn from here in this section of Psalm 119 today. Lord, help us, I do pray, as we close out our day. Um, I love this, this section especially. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to learn from it, to grow from it, um, and just to be refreshed by it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We see here the first picture we're given is of a sojourner. This is the pastor using big words for uh, alliteration reasons. Uh, A traveler, a sojourner uh, here. And uh, we see it in verses 33 and verse 34. It's similar to Abraham. Uh, We journey through life understanding that there's not uh, this place that we're in is not our home. The old song, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. And we see it here in this sense in verse number 33. He says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. It's seeing the Bible as a map to follow. Uh, the, the reminder that we should not ask for directions if we're not willing to follow the directions. Uh, the word teach me. He's asking for a lesson. He's asking for guidance. He's asking... Uh, for understanding, which we'll look at in the next verse. But we see it here as the idea of, I want to follow you. I want to keep your commandments, so teach me. Make it a, 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 your word a map for me. We oftentimes have the knowledge, but we don't always have the understanding. We definitely don't always seek the understanding. And verse 34, it says, Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. So many people have grown up hearing the Bible only to eventually kind of wander away. You all know someone who grew up in church but today isn't in church. You know someone who in church for years, maybe even someone you looked up to who's no longer in church anymore. Sometimes that is a result of knowledge of the Bible, not understanding of the Bible. You're less likely to follow uh, something if you don't understand it. And so we know the stories of the Bible, and we know some basics of the Bible, but we've talked a lot about the idea of studying and learning and, and grasping what God's Word says. 
in your own individual life. And if you don't gain that understanding, uh, it, it's going to be harder for you to obey. Now, should we still follow in faith? Yes, we should, but, but we just often don't. But not only do we not have understanding, most of the reason we don't have the understanding is because we don't seek the understanding. We're not diving in. We're not digging. We're not uh, praying. We're not reading enough. We're not focusing when we do read. And so we don't have that understanding. And here, uh, as a traveler, he says, teach me, guide me, and then give me understanding. Help me to comprehend. Help me to understand. Seeking that help so that he can stand, so that he can stay, so that he can obey uh, more fully. As he says, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Number two, we see a picture of a soldier. Verses 35 and 36, a picture of a soldier. He says in verse 35, Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. To stay in line with the Bible, to follow the Bible, to obey the Bible, it is going to be a fight. It's not easy. It's not a... Uh, a walk in the park, so to say. It's going to be a battle that you're going to be fighting because there are things, uh, for lack of a better term, that are fighting to help you or to make you fall. And you're going to need discipline. And soldiers, if you think of soldiers, you think of discipline. At least I do. Uh, you think of boot camp and the way that they're treated. You think of the idea of following orders. You think of those sorts of things. And so a disciplined person... Because the battle is between what? The old man and the new man. There is that, that fighting that's going to be going on. And there in verse number 35 it says, uh, again, make me. It, it, it is discipline. It is uh, an order to follow. Make me to go in the paths of thy commandments. For therein do I delight. I'm too weak to do it on my own. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm, I'm, I'm too, um, too close to the old man. So make me. And then in verse 36, we see a desire, a continued desire, a want to, so to say, incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. There is this understanding, yes, I'm too weak, so I need your help, but there is a great desire to follow God, to follow the Bible, to do what is uh, right. You have to have the want to. There are things in life that you will do at least for a certain amount of time, but if you don't have the want to, the desire, eventually it's going to fade. Eventually your obedience is going to, to, to fall. Eventually uh, your commitment will, will fail if you don't have a desire to do so. Um, you got to have that, uh, I call it want to, the desire uh, there. A soldier, disciplined desire. Uh, number three, so we see a traveler, a sojourner. We see a soldier. Number three, we see a servant. Verse number 37, uh, the Bible says, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. has the same idea as we read about um, the, the passage in the New Testament about two masters. You can't, you can't serve two masters. You have to love the one and hate the other. Follow the one and turn, turn away from the other. You can't have two. And that's what it's saying here in verse 37, that, that idea there, turn away, it's the same idea of the understanding that I cannot, I cannot serve my vanity and you. I cannot follow my vanity and God. It's just not going to work. They're two different things. Which master will you serve? And it's going to take commitment, verse 38. Establish, or we use the, term, the word establish now in, in our current English. Establish thy word unto thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. 
Commitment. Committed servant to serve one master. You see, that's where, again, an area that we struggle in is that commitment to follow God. That commitment to serve only God. We're committed to do things for God, to go to church. That takes commitment. You know it. Uh, maybe, maybe we have commitment to read our Bibles. Typically, that's a harder one for, for, for most. But a commitment to follow only God, which we talked about this morning again, emptying of myself and filling myself of God and having God fill me with Himself. The, the commitment that is there to be a, 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 a dedicated servant of God. We're trying one of the reasons why we're doing what we're doing here in February and uh, with loving our church and, and, and committing to some time to it, dedicating some time to it, and what we're doing in May to dedicate some time to our, our fellow church, uh, church family is the, it's just trying to get in a little bit of a habit. Maybe we lose that habit of, of, um, of service. And the same is true with God. We, we, we get out of the habit of service to God. We work hard for our family. We work hard for ourselves. We work hard for our loved ones. And we're committed to uh, providing for them. But in doing so, sometimes we forget that the ultimate commitment has to be to God. For God says, I will provide for you so that you can fulfill your role that I've given you uh, on this earth. And so we, 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 but we stray away from that commitment to service of God. And sometimes we're so faithful to serve people, yet unfaithful to serve God. Serving people even in a good way, right? Even at church, and I've told you many times, I've seen it my whole life where people serve People in the church, sometimes they serve themselves in the church to make them feel good, but they're not actually serving God. We can do good things the wrong way or for the wrong reason or the wrong motives. And so it's that commitment to service to God. Turn me away from my own vanity. Quicken, make me alive uh, in thy way. Establish thy word unto thy servant who is devoted to thy fear, a committed servant. So we see a sojourner, we see a soldier, we see a servant, and then lastly, number four, we see a saint. We don't, in the Baptist world, talk about saints a whole lot, right? Uh, there are other churches that will talk about St. Peter and uh, all the other saints, St. Saint Nicholas, of course, my favorite. Um, <clears throat> And we just went down the tubes. All right. Um, being saintly, what, what does that mean? Being, being holy. The last two verses cover this, and we see it in verse 39. He says, Turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Back in verse 22, he says, Remove from me uh, reproach and contempt. Now in verse 39, he's saying, Take away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Again, it's a dependence on God and God's word and not on himself. He's not trying to pull himself out of the issues that he has. He's seeking God's help. It's a dependence on God's God to remove the reproach from him. You may have already learned this, but victory doesn't come until we obey. 
victory in the spiritual life and the Christian life, it's not going to arrive until obedience is there. We have a great example of this throughout the Old Testament with the children of Israel. You look at them in a number of different areas in the Old Testament where you see, boy, they were in trouble. And they were usually in trouble, not usually, they were in trouble because of their own doings. But they were in trouble, man. They were being persecuted, they were being oppressed, all those kinds of things. And once the obedience came, then the victory came, the deliverance came. The same is still true today. It's, it's you know, anytime that you're going through something and, and you're just, you're getting beat, right? You're getting beat. Now, I'm not trying to be like Job's friends and saying, oh, you did something horrible. It's all your fault. But let's be honest, in most cases it is. Not always. Not, not, not all bad things that happen in life are a punishment from God. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches the opposite. Many times it's a blessing. But that being said, there are times in our lives where we go through struggles and uh, trials and hardships, and it's a result of our disobedience to God. And again, I've heard story after story after story of Christians who got away from God, similar to the prodigal son story, where they went and did their own thing, and it was a miserable life. Not saying they had zero pleasure in it, but it was a miserable life. And then one day, God got a hold of their heart. They decided, this is not a life I want to live. And they got back to God. It's not to say that all their past things didn't still haunt them in some way. There weren't consequences that they were still dealing with. But they finally came back to the realization that when I follow God, I'm happier. Things are better. Victory comes with obedience. And so we have to obey. The simple things, right? It starts with the simple things, but it goes to the bigger things as well. And he closes out the psalm in verse 40. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. And he uses this phrase again, quicken me in thy righteousness. It goes back to the, uh, the, the request, command from God, be ye holy. As I am holy. And he's looking at God's righteousness. Quicken me. Make me alive. Revive me in thy righteousness. Not in my good doings. Not in my good things, but in your righteousness. Paul's an interesting Bible character. A lot of great things we can learn about Paul's life. But in Romans chapter 7, if you're reading, as Paul's writing, and again, it's given to us by inspiration of God, but as Paul's writing, and he's, he uses this phrase in chapter 7, Romans 7, O wretched man that I am, and I find that interesting. It's the realization, right? The, the, the looking in the mirror. O wretched man that I am. In the next chapter, in Romans chapter 8, we see this. Paul says, Christ has made me free. You see, it's a, it's a wonderful thought to understand that being holy as God is holy, it's an impossible task for me. But when I live under the freedom that God gives me, and by that I'm not talking about the liberty that we use sometimes and talk about, well, I have the Christian liberty to do this and to do that and whatever, but what God actually frees me from and frees me to changes everything. And so here Paul sees it. He goes from saying, oh, wretched man that I am, to Christ has made me free. I 
I would like to think that I'm not as bad as Paul was. I don't know how you think about Paul, but when I look at Paul's past, I go, thank the Lord I'm not as bad as him. And we're not supposed to measure up to people and try to measure ourselves to people, but I also don't think I'm as good as Paul. Right? I'm not as bad as, as he was. I'm not murdering people. I'm not throwing people into prison for their religion. I'm not beating people. I'm not watching other people get murdered. I'm not, uh, I'm not standing by and allowing uh, uh, this to go on and, and all those sorts of things. Uh, but I, I also look at the other side of Paul and go, I'm not sure that I'm as faithful as Paul was. As bold, definitely, as Paul was. But yet still, I can look at my own life and go, I was a wretched man. A wretched man that I am. And I can also look at Christ has made me free. And I should live remembering that I am a wretched man, but I have the freedom that Christ has given me. Freedom for what? Or freedom to what? Well, freedom to follow Him. Freedom to obey Him. Freedom from sin. Freedom to live victoriously. Freedom to be holy as Christ is holy. God can bring victory. He can bring freedom. But it starts with God's Word. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Make me alive. Quicken me in thy righteousness. All throughout Psalm 119, it's talking about the Word of God, but we see it here in this section. Verse 33, Teach me the way of thy statutes. Give me understanding. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments. Incline my heart to thy testimonies. Uh, quicken me in thy way. Establish thy word. Quicken me in thy righteousness. Where do I find all those things, statutes and uh, law and all the other words we just talked about? God's Word. And because of what Christ has done, because of who God is, I am free to follow Him. I'm free to do right. I'm not ruled by the old man. I'm not ruled by my natural instinct. I'm ruled by God and I'm free to live obediently to Him and to follow His Word. Now we're, we're travelers. We're sojourners in this world. What do we look to guide, to guide us? Where do we look to guide us? We're soldiers. We're in a, we're in a battle. We need some discipline and, and some desire. We're servants to one master, should be. And our goal of, not sainthood, but our goal of being a saint, being holy, we're free to be holy because of God's Word and what Christ did for us. I guess the short version, shorter version of this message is we have no excuse. We make them, but they're not good. God doesn't go, ah, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. No big deal. Now, does God say, I forgive you? Yes. No excuse we give God for disobedience. You know, as a parent, there are rare times where my kids do something and I'm upset and then they tell me why they did it and I go, okay, 
Okay, now that's fine. <laughs> uh, when it comes to the disobedience to God, God doesn't go, okay. Oh, no, yeah. You're right. I was wrong. What was I thinking? <laughs> I didn't realize that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Because God's perfect. He knows everything. As a parent, I don't know everything. I tell my kids I do, but secret, I don't. I have no excuse. I have God's word. I have God's love. I have God's guidance. I have the creator of the world helping me. The all-knowing, the all-powerful. I have no excuse. And neither do you, which makes me feel better because <laughs> I'm not the only one. Read God's word. Do the simple things. Follow it. Read it. Follow it. Ask God for understanding. Seek to understand. Uh, there are things that are harder to understand. There are things that are difficult. There are things that will take time. Um, put it in. Put it in. Lord, help us. Help us to follow your word. Help us to seek you for guidance. Help us to take the guidance that you give us and apply it to our lives. Help us to serve only one master in you. And God, help us as we strive to be what you've told us to be. Holy, righteous, good, godly. Lord, help us uh, to continue to work towards those things. Help us to uh, clean our lives out. As David prayed, wash me, cleanse me. And Lord, help us to understand that we can obey you. Help us to have a desire to do so. We obviously are not able to on our own. We need your help. And, and, and even just obeying you, we still need your help to do so. So God, help us. Help us to have the right heart and the right mind. And uh, Lord, just help us to be more faithful. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.